This is the Bounty Hunt Podcast. Bounty Hunters, we don't need that scum. A UTV Patreon exclusive featuring Star Wars news and discussion beyond the expanded universe. I have never met a Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. And now, it's time to collect those credits. As you will. Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bounty Hunt, a Utini Network podcast where we hunt down all the extra content in the Star Wars universe. I'm your host, Eric Eilerson, and joining me on this new season of our show is the full cast and crew in a bunch of different time zones. Starting off, the man who is beginning his day talking about Cassian Andor, Dr. Corey Helton. What's up, dude? Hello, hello. Doing uh, doing good, doing good. Uh, excited to chat about Andor. I am uh, still in Kauai. I'll be here for another week uh, next week, and uh, then I'm coming home. But uh, Andor, I got to watch it on a 27-inch TV, and <laughs> I'm excited, excited to talk about all the stuff that I probably couldn't see and miss. So, you know, I'm here That's for it. That's always the best. Absolutely. Uh, next up, the man who's in... A different time zone, but I hope watched it on a slightly bigger TV. Dr. Charles Hankel, good morning or good afternoon, I should say. Good good afternoon. It's been a beautiful weekend so far, and I'm so happy to be back on Bounty Hunt. You know, there are no rules, remember, on Bounty Hunt. We're just hanging out, having a good time, talking about, quite frankly, a very good show. Wow. Strong praise from Charles to start off. No spoilers, guys. Quite frankly, a very good <laughs> show. Next up, we have, quite frankly, a very good man. It's Wes Jenkins. What's going on, everyone? I had put off watching. I everybody apparently watched it on Wednesday. I didn't watch it till Friday, so I gave myself two extra days to kind of stay away from Twitter. But um, I didn't spoil myself, and I'm glad I didn't. It's super good. It's super different. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about what y'all's thoughts are compared to the other shows. Absolutely. So uh, if you are new to Bounty Hunt. Like I said, this is the show where we talk about everything not book-related like we do on our main shows. We're going through all the Disney Plus shows. Today, we're going through Andor episodes 1, 2, and 3. They all dropped on premiere day. This is a full spoiler show. So how this will work, we're going to go through a recap of all three episodes. And then we're going to talk about things we liked. And because it's the beginning of Andor, we're going to talk about some characters, talk about some themes. Uh, before we all do that, it's a little bit... Um, I guess uncharacteristic of this show, but like Charles said, there's no rules. I just wanted to say before the recaps, it's the best show ever. Oh my God. I love it. Sorry. Okay. I need to get that out. Um, you feel I feel okay? like we're being very even toned. Oh uh, yeah. This is my favorite Disney plus show we've ever gotten by a country mile. And I'm excited to talk about it. <laughs> Are the neighbors knocking on the door and asking you if you're okay. <laughs> oh, it's not in this pre-war building. We got thick walls, baby. All right. So, uh, with that being said, uh, I'm going to go into recap of the three episodes. Like I said, full spoilers. If you have not seen Andor yet, do, do that. Stop <laughs> this. Um, go watch it. Um, or if you're just not going to see it for a while or Disney Plus isn't available where you are and we are your source, here we go. Episode one, which was uh, titled Casa. Uh, retro retroactively it was just title chapters ahead of time it is now officially called casa we open on morlana one in the year bby5 we'll get to that as cassie and andor heads through the red light district to find a brothel star wars while being served he mentions that he's looking for a girl from canary his sister while in that brothel he unintentionally insults a couple corporate rent-a-cops who follow him outside and attempt to shake him down 
A fight ensues with Cassian accidentally killing one and then very much not accidentally killing the other one uh, before fleeing the planet. On to Ferex, where we meet B2 Emo, the best, the best little droid. Uh, meeting Cassian, where Cassian asked the droid to lie about his whereabouts in the previous night. It's very stressful for him. Cassian then goes into town where he meets up with Brasso, a friend who he also asks to form an alibi for his whereabouts the previous evening. Brasso, however, is a total bro, and he does so. Back to Morlana 1, the corporate security headquarters and uniform-modifying kiss-ass Deputy Inspector Cyril Karn. He gives Chief Hine, who, gotta say, one of the MVPs of the episode, amazing performance, a report on the two murdered men, but Hine understands how the system works, and he orders Karn to just bury it. He does not. Back on Ferrix, Cassie meets up with Bix and Tim in order to ask Bix to alert her contraband buyer. Uh, he has an item. He needs to get enough credits to escape for a while after his double murder and lie low. She finally relents and sneaks away to make contact with the buyer. Ciro, meanwhile, forms a task force and discovers the signal of Cassian's ship as it was leaving Morlana 1, and he sets up an APB on Ferrix for a Canary mail. During all of this, by the way, we've seen flashbacks of Cassian, or Kassa, as a child, as a ship crashed through the atmosphere of his homeworld. The episode ends with all the children of his tribe setting off through the jungle to discover that wreck. Episode 2, That Would Be Me. After a brief check-in on the flashback, we meet the Time Grappler <laughs> Hammerman, who is Employee of the Year, absolutely, uh, who begins the Frexian Day in epic fashion by slamming hammers onto what I think is a big sheet of Beskar? Not positive. Bix receives the Primor, who are the cops, uh, authorities APB about Cassian and races off to speak to him, but not before Tim also finds the message and hatches a different plan. We then meet Marva Andor. Cassian's adoptive mother, who has also heard the message from B2, and she grills Cassian about who knows his true lineage, who, who knows his true lineage, as she has always maintained he was from Fest. Every Imperial duck has said Fest. Did you say Fest? Great scene. <laughs> Cassian then meets Bix, who informs him of the buyer's imminent arrival, and after spotting them together, Tim rats Cassian out to the authorities before Bix arrives at his apartment to uh, unwind a bit. Cyril Karn confirms Cassian's identity and is introduced to Sergeant Linus Moskser, the most loyal and slightly insane figure we've seen so far, who wants nothing more than to show this degenerate the meaning of discipline. They prepare to head to Ferrex with a full squad. Lucin Rail, the mysterious buyer, arrives on the planet and begins his journey into town as Bix awakens in Tim's bed. You know. And Cassian <laughs> prepares B2 to help Marva once he's fled the system. Now, back in the flashback, Casa's group finds dead Republic or Separatists based on their arm patches. Curious. Soldiers. But one of them rises, shoots the kid's leader, and after a small battle, the group retreats back into the forest with their fallen commander. But Casa heads into the ship. Back in the present day, Cassian prepares his getaway ride. Luthen exchanges force pleasantries with, with another visitor to Ferrix, and the episode ends with a wicked drum solo as Cassian prepares to meet his destiny. Episode 3, Reckoning. Cassian briefs Brasso on cleaning up his debt, and Luthen meets Bix in the street where she tells him all about Cassian's troubles, and Cyril and Sergeant Mosk head towards the planet's surface for the final confrontation. In our flashback, Casa begins destroying the inside of the Republic ship before he's discovered by scavengers, B2 Emo, and Marva and Clem Andor. Casa attempts to fight them, but Marva immediately sedates him because a Republic ship is coming soon to finish the job, and she won't leave him there to die. 
Real-time Marva then has her home invaded by Cyril and his corpo thugs, who turn over the place looking for Cassian. After roughhousing Marva a bit, Cassian's comm comes through B, and the corpos trace the signal as Luth and Rail arrive to meet Cassian in the warehouse. As they meet, a crowd gathers to protest Primo's treatment of Marva, and Bix discovers Tim's treachery, and the city begins to rumble. Luthen offers to pay Cassian for his piece, but he wants something more. He believes Cassian has talent and drive and asks him if he wants to finally fight these bastards for real. As the Primos walk through the city, the citizens begin banging rhythms on pieces of metal, the sound of reckoning. That is also inspired, fun fact, by Latin American countries in our real world called El Casaralazo, <laughs> which is a form of protest by clanging pots and pans. Shout out to Triad of the Forest and our other Latinx uh, community members for pointing that out on Twitter. Corpos then descend upon the warehouse and a firefight begins between Luthen and Cassian and the men. Elsewhere, Bix is roughed up by additional officers, and when Tim tries to rescue her, he's gunned down in the street. Additional scraps flow up throughout the city, culminating in Luthen and Cassian capturing Ciro, tying him up, then blowing up a decoy ship while taking a speeder across the flats back to Luthen's ship. The episode ends with mirrored scenes of Marva's rescue of Casa and Cassian's escape with Luthen. Bix tries to reach for Tim, Brasso has a solitary drink by the bar, Ciro gazes into the flame of his own defeat, and a percussive melody of strings beats in the background. The battle is over, but the war has just begun. All right, so that's uh, that's Andor, guys. Uh, I <laughs> so I gave my industry action. Uh, I, I I easily think this is the best Disney Plus show we've we've had <clears throat> in my country mile so far. This quality is is blew me away. This is a full Star Wars film. I felt on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, just really. Really blown away. Um, so let's just go around the circle. Uh, Charles, start with you, man. What uh, what do you think? Just base base thoughts. Yeah, I loved it. I am very glad that I took the advice that was floating around out there and watched all three episodes all together. I think I would have enjoyed it much less if I'd watched it one, two, three separated. Sure. I think the first two episodes were actually a little slow. Um, and it was fine. There was enough payoff in episode three, but you kind of needed that whole thing all together, I think, to feel like the payoff was was there. Um, I am so glad they did so much practical stuff for this. Yes. <clears throat> Going to real sets. I mean, I, I think now in retrospect, I'm I am aware that they're in the volume, you know, when they're yes, in the volume. Same. And I wasn't before, I don't think like, I mean, there were moments, but um, I'm, I'm very aware of it now. So I think it was filmed really well. I think the story is done really well. I was confused that a few small things that I know we'll talk about, but for the type of show it is that it's like that espionage thriller type thing. Mm -hmm. It's kind of to be expected. I don't want them to overly explain things. I want to be able to figure things out. And I think that's kind of how they're framing the story. So all things said, it hurts me to say, because you know my love for Kenobi. Uh, Amazing I show. Think this is, I think this is the strongest start to, to a show that we've had yet. For sure. Awesome. Corey, pick it up, man. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you guys know how big of a fan of Rogue One I am. So, like, <laughs> starting with uh, this era and time is just really, really incredible. I mean, I'm kind of with you. I think this has been the best launch so far, and it's just different than anything else we've we've seen so far. I think, like, it just feels feels darker. It feels grittier. It feels heavier. Like, they're not afraid to maybe talk about like more controversial themes. Like, we got to. 
we got really strong sexual like overtones in that mm-hmm. one scene, which has never happened in live action Star Wars before. Like, I don't know. This is just it just feels like they're taking bigger risk with the show than I think we've ever seen before. And uh, I'm totally here for it. I, I I guess I agree that it was slow, but like, I don't know. Slow almost has like a negative connotation to it. So it almost feels like it was just a different pace, but it, I thought it was fine. I mean, mm-hmm. I think there's uh, I think we should talk about you know what this star Wars storytelling and TV is very interesting because we're getting these episodic releases. And I don't know if that is changing the way we think about shows, I guess. So like, I almost wonder, this made me wonder, like maybe wonder like what would the Kenobi release have looked like if it was all at once, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. It's very interesting to see. We've never gotten three episodes of a live action show before. And it seems like they did that on purpose one because they delayed you know some of the production a little bit mm-hmm. and that sort of thing but i almost wonder if they release all three episodes together on purpose because like maybe they didn't think it would have been received as well if you couldn't watch the whole arc all at once like yeah uh, so i don't know let's let's come back to that idea i think during this episode a little bit but gut reaction it's excellence um it's dark it's gritty I think it's a Star Wars project that a lot of us have been wanting for a long time. I mean, one of the first one of the first shows that I would maybe raise my eyebrows a little bit, like somebody, I think in our Slack or Discord or somebody asked us, like, can I watch this with my kids? And I was like, I actually don't know. Yeah, it depends on what kind of parent you are. It's a little it's a little dark, a little dark. And like, that's a good thing, I think, that we're getting, you know, Star Wars for various age groups. So. I'm all here for it. Excellent launch. Excellent premiere. It's going to be a good yeah. show. Yeah. Alex Damon made a good point. Um, on Star Wars explained that like Star Wars is for everyone. And I, obviously we, we watch it all. Like I really love rebels. I love clone wars. Like I love these shows, but there was an acknowledgement that like in the meetings, when you're coming up with the analytics and the metrics, those key audiences are younger than us, which is fine. Um, but like that isn't quite our group. Whereas Andor, I think we are the target demographic. And there is yeah. something that is, like, special about realizing, like, I, I mean, even Mando, I think, is, is amazing, but it's probably slightly younger. But Andor is, like, 20s and 30s, and, like, this is kind of who you're made for. So I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, Wes, what you think, man? Um, no, I thought it was great. It's, it is, um, it was definitely strategic, I think, on them putting out the first three episodes because a lot of it had me wondering like what does all this have to do with anything i had to turn the subtitles on uh through halfway through the first episode to understand what andor was talking about with bix because i was like mm-hmm. what is this what is this item that he had did i miss something in the beginning yeah so yeah. i was questioning a lot of that um even through the second episode as well so mm-hmm. um it left you left you guessing like you were talking about charles uh, i thought it was a good idea though that they did that um because it there was a payoff right at the in episode three and that's kind of why yeah. they put all those out in that three episode uh, arc i think was a was a very good idea but i also think andor is going to be one of those shows where you don't have to know everything about star wars to get into it mm-hmm. um kind of the mandalorian obi-wan you had to know a lot about star wars lore to kind of get what was going on um but with this one really all i gotta know about is the empire is bad there's a rebel cell where it was leia there's han solo mm-hmm. and after this obviously but they can watch this show and get into the actual storytelling of like an espionage a spy thriller 
um, without actually having to know a lot about Star Wars. There's that, you know, there's that those characteristics that we see with the kind of with the aliens and the dress and stuff like that. But with like actual Star Wars knowledge, it's kind of minimal. So you can enjoy it. You can enjoy it without actually having to know a lot about, you know, some of the other stuff that has to do with like Jedi lore and stuff. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, too, because like it sounds like the show is going to finish like right at Rogue One. So Mm -hmm. maybe this is really the first like live action show that we have gotten that is a true path into the films. I mean, you could literally watch the the two. How many seasons is this? Two at least or three, two seasons of this. Watch Rogue One, four, five, six. And now you're a Star Wars fan. (laughs) Right. So like. Yeah, yeah, I can't I, wait for this it. payoff. I can't wait for yeah, the payoff. Yeah, that is very interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I, cause I had a friend who literally asked me, I, I posted on, on Facebook about it, and, I was, and they were like, okay, if I'm not caught up, what do I need to do? What do we need to watch to watch this show? And I thought about it, and to your point, Wes, I said, <clears throat> you might need to have seen Rogue One, but also, Maybe. like, you could literally, I, I do honestly think you could have never seen a Star Wars movie and just start the show. It'd yeah. be like, there are... <laughs> Very clearly, good guys and bad guys. You know exactly who Cassian is now. You know the style of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting. So I think even more so than, than like Mando, especially things like Book of Boba, like you gotta have base knowledge to get into it. Uh, but on that note, everyone that has been talking about this show um, in, in positive and the few negative things I've seen has been using the phrase different, right? It's, it's different. So I want to kind of go into that a little bit and really kind of say what what does that mean and i want to start off with the tone of the show because i think previously with like mandalorian book of boba fett those are kind of like adventure star wars shows right there's heroes and there's and there's quests kind of and you're kind of going on certain things there's like big street shootouts um that that is a very much even when it's dark it's still light enough you know um like Kenobi, the tone was that of like the defeated hero trying to rise back to the call to adventure and things like that. And this tone of Andor is, I think, if I had to use a word, tense. I think that them releasing all three episodes at once was a great idea. I loved that. I loved that it was a full arc. But also, it's it's kind of exhausting in a way to like be this tense for that yeah, long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, how did you guys react, Just even just physically, to like the the a show that had everyone kind of on edge the music uh shout out to nicholas patel who i want to talk about a couple times as uh, the composer of this show you want to talk about different masterful use of music and the kind of little strings that were in the background almost through every episode always making you feel on edge like this place could blow at any moment um yeah. how did the tension treat you guys uh throughout uh well i mean the show certainly feels like they're not uh they're not really afraid to show sort of the dark side of the rebellion i guess i mean yeah sure i mean the first how far were we into the episode when that guy got killed uh, less than 10 minutes 10 minutes less than 10 minutes like i mean the show opened with cassian going to a brothel Mm -hmm. okay like (laughs) which we're not supposed to have has that ever been (laughs) canon before we had brothels and star wars surely in some books and stuff there's been references yeah, to that i not in visual I assume, media but not in any visual media so he goes to a brothel with very obvious like prostitutes or like talking mm-hmm. to everybody like i was like okay this is dark and he freaking killed that guy in cold blood <laughs> who was begging for his life like yeah. 
Oh. Dear God, I, I literally paused and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, I just, I was shocked by that. Like, in a, in a good way. Like, yeah. It was just like, good, it, it was, good. I know, good, good. Yeah. Yeah, give, him, <laughs> give him what he deserves. No, like, Get just, it. it was just, it was just different. I mean, very, very different, very dark, very, you know, what was gritty. Can I say something that was really striking yeah. about that moment that I think makes the point that you're saying, Corey, is, they almost made Cassian shoot like how, how we have on the screen right now. If you're actually watching us live, uh, they almost made him shoot at you as the audience member. Like you were almost sure. first wow. person as, as the man who was shot. And it made me view Cassian as, okay, that thing that happened in rogue one was not, that was not like a fluke. And he was like kind of forced into it. Like that wasn't his first rodeo. Like no. he's yeah. been doing this. Like he is a dark, he, he's in a bad place. Yes. He's yeah. decisive. Like he will do whatever he takes to survive. And that's like, I don't know. We've never seen that sort of violence and, and like brutality from a quote unquote good guy before. Right. Like, right. Yeah. And right. uh, that's just, I don't know. And that was the first 10 minutes of the film is we start, we start with the brothel yeah. and then we have a, a brutal murder and I don't know. It is just heavy, tense, dark, violent. I don't know. There is a, they're really starting to really getting this seedy undertone of the galaxy, right? Yeah. And this and new I, era of TV shows. So, and, and I love that they're kind of going uh, away from the militaristic side uh because like obviously in Star Wars we get the empire we get the rebellion and there are there is kind of like a military decorum to a lot of it right of like these are stormtroopers are enlisted soldiers the rebellion you know what you're doing whereas this show uh, we talked a little off air about like you know who are these who are these blue dudes who are the, the corporate guys the primos guys uh, as as they call them like these are not imperial stormtroopers and these are not rebel soldiers these are basically security people hired by a corporation and everyday people so the violence to me really hits more viscerally because it, it seems almost more real in a way and more like invasive <clears throat> like these are just right. people going about their days and these are guys that are just clocking in and out like that guy with the noodles that was bitching about overtime <laughs> like yeah. that's who these guys are <laughs> and that's why i think like chief hindbeam was such an interesting character to be like Oh God, these idiots! Yep, yeah, sh you shouldn't pick a fight with the locals. Whatever. No, say I, it's an I, I loved that little short monologue he had, where he was mm -hmm. like, "We have two guys that are using time they're not supposed to have at a brothel, yep. which they're not supposed to visit, yep. like yep. that rough up some guy." And I was just like, no, "They were in the wrong place." Like he tells it exactly how it is, and it's just yep. like and he gets it. And I was just like, "These are cops," is what yeah. this is like, like they, kind of. They're bullies. They're trying to bully some random guy and they got yep. paid back for it. But just to see how quick the situation went sour really fast, it wasn't like, I don't know, Cassian, he did defend himself, but he also like. Didn't know witnesses also, like, thing. He also like really killed that guy. Like, yeah, maybe he didn't need to kill the guy. And I love the, I love the tone of that too. It wasn't like. And the way that scene played out, it wasn't like his friend got killed and he tried to attack him. Like he, his friend got killed and he also pulled the trigger, by the way, that was not Cassian. Oh, yeah. right? Cassian didn't physically kill that guy. Like he got no. kind of caught in the crossfire. Yeah. And he right. Got bumped. Yeah. 
But he immediately jumps to the conclusion, like, you killed him. You killed my friend. And then you can see it in his eyes. Like, oh, shit, I should not be accusing you of killing this guy because yeah. now I am a witness to this That's crime. Right. He immediately yeah. changes. And that was just oh. brutal. Yeah. And he went from he went from like he went from like trying to be a bully to like like begging for his life because he realized how bad this looked. And like, I don't yeah. know. I've just never seen that before. I've never seen yeah. that type of scene play out. And you can Did see Cassian realize like. This guy is so scary to me, but also you could see in Cassian's eyes, the eyes of a man that has been bullied by the Empire and these Corvos for so many years. And he's like, you're going to tell me whatever you want right now. But the second I let you go, yeah, that's right. You know, you've seen he's my face. Talk. You are going to be like, this guy killed my partner. And, and once I give you your gun back, like we might shoot him down right there. Like I, I, there's just such a again, there's no clean lines. Like in, in in warfare, and I think that's just so fascinating. It was very and clean, like, Eric. He yeah. had to die. That guy yeah, okay. had. You're right. He had to go, or <laughs> yeah. he would have he started talking. Snitches so, get stitches. You that's know right. that's what I'm saying. Uh, he got worse than that. Yeah. If he'd have let him go, gonna, he's going to come back with a spider face. Don't if he worry. Had, if he'd have let him go, <laughs> then the chase part would have been condensed by like say another day right they yeah. they found out they've got the warrant out and everybody's looking for him they have found him within yep. you know five hours let's say five Easily. hours yeah so yeah so we're talking a little bit about what has made this feel different and one thing stood out to me that we haven't mentioned yet i found the like vocabulary some of the phrasing in this show to be very unique like i had i put subtitles on and that was mainly because i I don't get as much uh, of the detail if I don't do that. I'm an old man already. Mm -hmm. And they use a lot of phrasing and words that are just, I have never seen in Star Wars. It's not necessarily like specific to this, uh, this part of the timeline within Star Wars. You know, like sometimes you can, you can tell that certain people speak a little bit differently in the OT versus the PT and stuff like that. But um, it is very different in a lot of scenes. Uh, did y'all pick up on that or think anything about that? Oh yeah. I, I mean, my biggest thing was, I think they talked kind of like people and in, in like, in like a weird way of like, they didn't talk like star Wars characters. They just talked like people in scenes. And I think the, the easiest one for me to pick out in front of my head is, is obviously like, he didn't say dank Farrick. He said, Oh shit. Like, and it's like yeah, small that like that. Yeah. But can you imagine going to Tony Gilroy and said, he would say Dank Farrick and seeing every interview of Tony Gilroy, he's like, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like they, they spoke like people do, I think in like yeah. other TV shows. Like if this was just <clears throat> like, you take away the Arabesh, you take away the empire and you replace it with, re you know, regular characters and, and call them a random country. Like this just feels like a spy thriller. And I think from, the vocabulary to even the filming of the scenes like it didn't feel like they were trying to shoot this sci-fi other thing they talked like this is a briefing this is a you know it felt like something i'd read in the luceno book honestly yeah. more so than i would see on, on another show yeah, yeah so the, I, I think that. that i think that helped with the like getting casuals into the show as well because if they like you heard someone say dank ferric you're like damn it did i miss something do i need to go look that up like what does that mean what does that mean it, it means shit dad <laughs> sit there and, <laughs> and watch that's what it means <laughs> we all understand and it's and, and i think that you know to, to that to that extent too is that we had people that spoke yes cohen like you're saying they felt like there were actually people who lived there 
they didn't speak like they were trying to tell me as an audience member what was going on. They spoke as if I was intruding on their day-to-day lives and it just happened to be filmed. And I think like with Bix and Cassie, it wasn't like, hey, Bix, my friend who owns this place here, like, it was like, oh, this is just their daily conversation. And like that meeting with Hein, it's weird. We keep hitting on the meeting with Hein and Zero, but it's legit one of my favorite scenes. Like this is just a higher up talking to an over eager employee about how the world works. And yeah. we, we haven't seen that really. And it's just all these little things that make it feel so lived in and so organic. And even going from that, I feel like, uh, to your point earlier, Charles, about how we can tell it's not the volume. Like the streets are filled with people. Like it feels like an actual place. The wall of gloves is fucking awesome. Like there's oh, that, that great, many yeah, people. Yeah. I love the wall of yeah. gloves. That's it's so awesome. But like every <laughs> single person grabbed a pair of gloves. Like these are actually yeah. people that are just living their lives. The hammer guy got a minute of screen time to hit hammers down. Like yeah. and because not to pick on it. But the book of Boba Fett, we said this in Bounty Hunt, it it felt small. Like yeah. the, the city, the streets felt small. Um, it felt like you knew that they were filming on like a very in a very small area. And and this was sprawling. Yes. It actually felt yeah. like it, the size was good. Um and of course the story got even bigger because I do want to ask you guys about the flashbacks, um, which is not a not a very Star Warsy thing. Um, we got them a little bit in Mando to kind of show him there. We got Boba Fett. We got obviously the Tuscans was kind of almost a, its own thing. How did that work for you? Especially one of the things that I loved, and I actually uh, I texted some folks that went to the premiere. I was like, it's not subtitled, and is that intentional or, or am I as a setting off? I'm like, no, it's it's intentionally not subtitled, which I found fascinating. Mm. Um, but how how did those work for you guys? Kind of seeing Casa's evolution up until obviously the end of episode three where we get that beautiful kind of mirrored scene yeah this was really interesting i felt like this this flashback style was very different than anything we've seen before we got a lot of flashbacks in kenobi and they were very intentional they were long flashbacks like this was like really rapid fire i mean there you would be like watching a scene suddenly there's a flashback and then suddenly we're back in a scene like it was just kind of very quick and the they got closer together as the episode went on too, right? So by the end yep. of the episode, they were like really, really like they were switching back and forth for like a split second. And yeah, really interesting. We got no context for the flashbacks. There is it's in a different language. Like we have no idea what the hell is going on. Like you have to use their body language. And the fact that they did all that with like child actors and stuff is very, very cool. And yeah. like we still don't know Jack about what was going on. I mean. I think we got the context now, right? Like the the Empire yeah. messed up a planet with mining. Like there's this ship of infected people or something that crashed. And yeah, Cassian got kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah which, was Cassian. which Marva calls a Republic ship, but they're wearing separatist uniforms, which then asks the question like... Was the Republic messing around with bioweapons and wanted to pretend to be separatists? What? Are they Is wearing separatist uniforms? I thought she, she said a Republic ship so. was was coming, like was on the way to. I thought maybe she like was. finish. The I job. might be wrong because I think it's also interesting because they're different. Like that is reg- regardless of who it is, because she said Republics are coming in. That's true. Because <clears throat> um, it is a, it is a separatist uh, uniform. That's interesting. I didn't know. Yeah. That. I, I, I want to I want to see that. Can you can you find that scene, Wes? Because I thought it was the uh, I thought it looked like the science logo, like that we see a lot of the like 
like remember we got to see that in um in mando was it no is it mando? that's later that's later on no it's not mando this is still during, not, the, this is during the clone wars still yeah yeah i know i know it's it's not mando that i'm thinking of it's the we get to see some some is it yes yeah, the animated I mean, the animated show it was uh what's the animated show we just got bad batch the end of bad batch remember we get to see the some of the scientists on that I thought that was the cloning people yeah, the cloning people though. Yeah. But there, there's other people in uniforms and stuff. But anyway, yeah. I thought that was it. I'll have to see. There's yeah. a logo on his sleeve. Yeah, it's not yeah, the. I don't think it's the separatist logo though. Yeah, Isn't we gotta it? see. I don't know. Not that Regardless, this isn't compelling cool. for our listeners, but uh, <laughs> I think we got to talk about Aunt Petunia being in Star Wars. Dude, Marva. I, d- she's my favorite. She's uh, that that first scene. She's just sitting in a chair, and then she just grills Cassian down. <laughs> And I'm like, I, w- I want every second of you on screen. She She's is magnetic. Really good, man. When she was crying at the end, it got me. It she didn't really turn the heat me. on, Charles. I know. She gets know. cold. God. <laughs> yeah, that that broke me. And, and, and to see her both in that <clears throat> moment and then in, in the flashbacks, I love that we see her as like the able-bodied like scavenger. Aunt like, Petunia, aged Aunt Petunia. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> she's like, and, and immediately she's like, okay, I'm getting my stuff here. There's a child. You know what? He's freaking out. I'm not going to leave him to die. I got to get him out of here. I, yeah, that's, how, sure. that's what I'm going to do. No questions asked. So, so what was she just a scavenger? Is that what we're it's the vibe I believe? Cause yeah, I was her and her and um, what's her, his uh, dad's name, which is Clem according to the credits. Clem. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I didn't fully get that part of it either um because i was kind of under the impression that this world was after whatever disaster happened like just out on its own like people did Mm -hmm. not go to this planet and so it was curious to me that they were there to even go and try to scavenge that ship and if they might not have seen any of the other children around or or like anyone else around yeah yeah and i think that'll be interesting going Mm -hmm. forward like how many of these flashbacks do we continue to get? Like Obi Wan, do they keep it as a as a narrative device that we continuously go, or is this kind of now told the story where we meet them both? <laughs> I think they'll probably keep using it personally. I I would love to see more of them being like, does she come to grips with the fact that she was like, I, I took you kind of without your permission? Like it is kind of that like white savior trope of like, no, you need to go. And are we gonna see <clears throat> immediately? the place just get bombarded by bombs and oh my gosh, thank goodness he got out. Or yeah. is he going to come to the fact of like, you took me away. I had a sister like, and I that he still hasn't found, you know, is he, does their resentment or like, I think that's fascinating with the two of them. Cause there's clearly love between them in the modern day. Like he clearly loves her very much. Um, and she is worried about him. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of evolves again, a very mm-hmm. unique thing. We haven't seen in in Star Wars anything, much less a, a popular television show. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, jumping back to uh, what you were saying, yes. Corey. I was gonna say I found a I found a Reddit thread that talks about it. So there's the yeah that's, okay there's the logo. Yep. Yeah yeah. So there's the logo. Um and so I found a Reddit thread that the conclusion is pretty funny. I like this. I like <laughs> this uh this this conclusion. The conclusion is essentially someone is wrong. It's either us, the characters, or the writers in the costume designers. Somebody is wrong because <laughs> they say that there's some like enhanced pictures of the logo, and it is absolutely the hex of the CIA. Yeah, separatists. Yeah. But Marva also says 
implies that they're republic because she says the kids just killed a republic officer right okay yeah. and and then immediately afterwards she says a republic ship is in orbit and coming in right so I, that, that i don't know that logic thread doesn't like total make a lot of sense so like yeah. either they're republic or maybe they got the logo wrong or maybe this is Maybe they were going for like a like an imperial science logo or something. Maybe they're stolen. I don't know. Something is weird. But I found the some of the logic in this thread is kind of weird. They're like, well, maybe the scavengers have it wrong. Like maybe they think that they're a republic, but they're not. But that seems like a weird detail to include. Yeah, so maybe it's meant to be an unreliable narrator. Or I something, guess which I hate that though. is used yeah, in I like thrillers. I, I, I would that, say though. I think that for one only one. Uh, Cohen says in the chat, I don't believe they made a fault because there is a moment, oh, yeah. in, as far as the costumers go specifically, when Cyril yeah, was talking about his, his 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 uh his tailored uniform, yeah. there was a, a thread I found on Twitter from a costumer who said, as a person who works in costuming, I looked at his uniform <clears throat> and literally the seam allowance on his shoulders looks different because on a tailored garment, the seam allowance would look like that. Like that is the level yeah. of detail they use. Yeah, yeah, so they don't get they're not gonna get patch so, wrong. You know, no, not a patch wrong. Yeah, I agree with that. But it's very interesting though that we'll like, and that's and that's more of the point, right? Is like yeah, we're yeah. getting these. <laughs> you go all the way back to the beginning here. We're getting these flashbacks that are like, there's not enough context to understand really what's happening yet. And I think that is we're sort of seeing it through the, through the eyes of a child, right? Like he doesn't really understand what's happening. Yeah. He even looks like he is like very confused with the hunting party and stuff. Yeah, right? like, he's not like a hunter usually. Well, I feel yeah. like it's his first, first time. time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right, right. It seems like he's he was young even when everything happened and maybe he doesn't totally even remember everything. So Not quite six years old, but but young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I so, don't know how anyone over, was focusing on the patch on those uniforms. I was too busy. Like that dude has like 19 blow darts in. I know, back. dude. That was so funny. <laughs> yeah. That, that guy was, so was a king. I'm like, yo, man, go off. I love, I love <laughs> the blow like, darts, man. We've like, never yeah. seen something like that before. Jeez, that was so man. cool. Indiana Jones, oh. man. Oh. Yeah. He's yeah, Ventura when nature calls. Yeah. Exactly. It honestly reminded me a little bit because they talked about, you know, the planet was like semi-destroyed in a mining disaster. And then we see the giant mine that's been abandoned. Mm -hmm. So clearly like all the adults worked there, were all mm -hmm. killed. And then these children just seem to kind of get abandoned. I think that was a painting, by the way. I think huh? that, Oh, like, like uh, what do they, what do they call they those? How they used to do them. Yeah, matte how they painting, used to do them painting. in the OT. I think that the disaster area was a painting. And Ooh, I, I'm going to wait for the behind the scenes. I'm serious. If you look, it looks, it looks not like a normal, CGI graphics to me, and he I couldn't notice because like, I was watching basically on an iPad. So. Well, yeah, watch, yeah. watch <laughs> it on a watch on a normal screen. I I have a feeling watch when they show the behind screen. the scenes, they did some paintings and things like that. Like I, I would believe it. I believe uh, that's it. Funny. Yeah, this I'm scene. Yeah. yeah, and specifically if you go even a little ahead of this, there's one where he starts walking away, and it's off oh, to yeah. the right, and it looks to me very much like it may have just been a painting. Interesting. Interesting. I'd be excited to see it. I mean, I love it. So much I thought it was really good. It. The language stuff too, like you said, Eric was really cool. I love that we didn't get the subtitles for the language. That was really cool. How pissed were you guys that Cassian didn't pick up that guy's gun before he walked in the ship? Oh my god! <laughs> so I was like, but but I'm like, buddy, clearly that's a superior weapon. But you I know, know what? Get, he obviously doesn't him. know how to use it. But still, every time yeah. somebody in a movie or a TV show like drops a gun, and the person like 
that's going into the complex scene like doesn't have a superior weapon i'm always like get that guy's gun <laughs> every single time so Press oh X. this shot holy shit this, this does look like a matte painting this yeah. looks like the uh the famous terrible matte painting in uh empire strikes back where lando and han are standing in front of the falcon, oh, front of the falcon and it falcon, looks like yeah. looks like they're in front oh of, like, yeah that's a rough crayon one. drawing basically yeah <laughs> uh, crayon drawing <laughs> Oh, the credit you give. <laughs> That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Oh, I mean, this behind the scenes is going to be massive. Um, so I want to I want to talk about like now just let's go to the, the characters themselves. So we meet a lot of folks. A lot of people got <clears throat> named pretty quickly. Not everyone was insane like me and watched all three of them twice. Planets the also. Day. We, oh, we yeah, famously planets. we famously complained a little bit about like breakneck speed as far as planets. We got like eight planets named in the yeah. first like fifteen minutes of the show, and I'm like, but, I have no idea what the hell yeah. is going on. Because so. Ferrix and Morlana One are our two big ones, we, and Canari, obviously. Because which I also like, they uh, did say it a lot. Like they really, really hit it home. Like me Canari, too. you said it was yes. from Canari. Is a Canari one? Oh, we're from Canari. I'm like, thank you. I I need that. So <laughs> what, what planet Canari. are we on? What planet are we on? Ferrix. Like Ferrix. Yes. yes. Okay. And that and they did the Rogue One thing where they they put it up on screen when we first landed there, which was yeah, which was did. helpful. Uh, and then Morlana One is the Corpo planet where they're all on. Yeah, and so it's this the is Morlana, the Morlana. Yeah, it's like a Morlana. Yeah, the corporate zone or something too, right? Yeah, yeah more, it says Morlana. Was it more Morlana? Okay, Morlana corporate zone. Okay, it says it right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There must be like a Morlana two, Morlana three. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he says, "Oh yeah, he he used to be stationed on four, on four, and now yeah. he's on what?" So there's yeah, multiple yeah. Morlana, which is also so corporate. And, and I, yes. I really like this this whole idea of the corporate Lazy. zones and the name. Yes, because it's so <laughs> Lazy cold. Corporate. It's, it's kind of like if Amazon bought a bunch of planets and then hired a bunch of cops. Like it's, it's like how BM, BMW names their cars. They just like three, you know, the three series, four series, five series. Yes. Yeah. Also, I'm just gonna call Morlana one Night City because it's just Cyberpunk 2077 in Star Wars, like straight uh, up. Cool, I can see you that. know. I did we get a um, did we either see or get a reference to the uh, what's the Star Wars planet? I think it's in a bunch of Legends stuff. It's just an F, I think, and it's like an Imperial, like Fondor. Fondor. Did we get a reference? Did we see Fondor in this? I think we, we did. We did because I just pulled that out of my brain, and yeah, yes, we definitely. Okay. Yes. Sounds I good. thought yeah, we, we did. did. What was that? What was there was a, what was the reference to that or something? Is if Fondor around this? Yeah, Fondor is a shipyard. We've never seen in, in any kind of TV or live action or anything. I don't yeah, think, I don't remember. Like, in Battlefront Two, it's the map. It's great. Yeah, that's oh, right. A, that's right. Starfighter what, map. Uh, what Brandon had just pointed out, like, was the first time we see BBY. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's I wanted to mention that too. Well, also, BBY five, not five BBY. Yeah. Oh, yes. it's, it's, it's the British. It's the British spelling, right? Yeah. <laughs> five. yeah yeah i wanted to bring this up because we just talked about how i'm kind of a timeline nerd on our last <laughs> living force episode yeah. this is this is uh i checked into it this is the first time we've ever seen a timeline reference ever ever in star wars media mm -hmm. ever like like we it's not heavily referenced in comics we rarely see it in books like other than just looking at the timeline and stuff and we get it in a live action show is kind of a big deal, actually. Like we all have to, yeah, we have to look at this stuff like in hindsight, and it's almost sort of beneficial for the uh, creators to not give exact timeline dates because it allows things to be a little bit flexible with storytelling. Mm -hmm. But we literally got a a time drop, which was kind of a big deal, and they wrote it backwards yeah. of what we've ever seen before, which is fascinating. So yeah. I don't know. I wonder if we'll ever see this happening, or if we'll see this start being used more regularly. But uh. Well, it's also interesting because they've been trying to start off with that like Star Killer event timeline thing. 
that they did in the, I think one of the recent reference books we talked about last earlier in the year. And now they're like, no, like we're not. It, it's it's badly Yavin. That's the way it is. And I also think they've been so specific about the timeline. We said it in this week's Living Force. Like they're like five years before first season. In the second season, they're. I think we'll see four BBY, three BBY. I think they're gonna show us that in the arcs. They've now established yeah. that. Yeah, Alexandre in the chat makes a good point too because this is BBY that can't exist in the universe at this time because it's before yeah, an event that happened. So that is <laughs> a very us. interesting idea. Of like it's just for it's us. Just, yeah, it yeah, sense it is, the audience. It's interesting. The more story that they make, like, and the further they move along the timelines, the more it's going to be like, why is everything set with that one battle? Because like, there's going to be other massive things that happen, and it's like, well, what about that thing? I know. I know yeah. it's, it's like we're what if we what if history books like started using timelines of like uh you know World War II BCG BCJ <laughs> before the coming of Jesus yeah <laughs> like, well they did BC was, I mean it's wild man no before the second coming of Jesus we're oh, currently second, we're at second one. currently oh, we're at set we're at seven before the second coming of Jesus like what <laughs> that's, that's interesting. A, that's a, there's a there's a funny reference to that in uh, in Futurama. We're always yeah. talking about that, and they're like they're like talking like about some show? event. And he's like, oh yeah, that was after uh, that was after the second coming of Jesus. It's like what? <laughs> also, Brandon makes a great point in the chat. All Star Wars is happening in the past. That's right? a good that, point. So That's BBY point. actually yeah. narratively makes total sense yeah. because we are always witnessing the past because even Wikipedia is always written in the past tense. Great point, Brandon. Um, yeah. Now I want to go. Anyway, we get we we yes. got way off track. We were trying to talk yeah, about, characters. about characters. We started talking no, no, about no. planets. We started What's talking going, about. We're going to characters now because I want to. I want to just go into our main ones just to kind of say now what we're thinking of them. Number one, I thought as far as the average acting ability of the main cast, ten out of ten. This is, I think, the best. Just purely, how do you say the words mm. in the scene you're in with your scene? Like basic craft. I thought it was incredible. I thought all of them yeah. were very good actors. Yeah, no um, characters took me out at all. No, like they were all even, the same even movie. like even like goofy side characters and stuff that only yeah. had like one-off lines. Like the uh, the guy that Cassian uh, negotiated, like oh, yeah. <laughs> at the very end with that alien, they were like bickering. Yeah. That was hilarious, by the way. I love that um, part. That was great. Yeah. yeah, even that guy, you had like one line was like fantastic. You know any fun from Canari? Like, <laughs> you just yeah, you just no, told, the, the, no 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 the other guy. The guy, with, uh, the guy with his uh, mechanic there when he's like, hey, can you get me out of here today? And he's uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. shut up. It was like Scotty and his little guy from Star Trek <laughs> is what it reminded yeah. me of. I, I also just want to like commend and point out that we have by far the most diverse cast we've ever had with this show. Oh, and yeah, it's yeah. it's impressive. It's completely immersive. And like it feels good to finally be on a backwater planet where everybody's not white because like that is not how it would finally. be. Finally. Like, like even looking at like Phantom Menace and stuff and thinking about Tatooine, like the last time we watched that movie together, we actually talked about that of like there are a lot of white people on Tatooine. Yeah. Like yeah. surely this backwater planet would have a little more diversity. And like this show like nailed that, by the yeah. way. Like, I mean, there was just I mean, there's a ton of different characters in the background. Um, a noticeable lower number of aliens, I think, than we've ever had before, which is kind of interesting. Did you guys notice that? We have no, other than that one guy, mm-hmm. the big guy, or funny, he was hilarious, yeah. by the way. We didn't really have a an alien heavily featured in a in a scene. I mean, yeah, even the, the one I just referenced, there. where they're kind of yeah. bickering or whatever, they don't really, he's kind of in the background, you don't really see him really well. Yeah, like, not a lot of aliens, very interesting. No, I also want to say, uh, as, a, as a fun fact, uh, <laughs> so Diego Luna and Adria, uh, who plays uh, Bix, 
both of them actually did their own dubbed lines if you watch it in Spanish because they're both Latin. So wow. if you watch the Latin America cool. dub, that's still Cassian and Bix actually saying the lines. So that's really for cool. those of us. That's fantastic. Like, again, that's what you get. If, if have you, you seen if, that? Yeah. Um, have you seen that? I've seen it resurface recently. It's from when the Rogue One premiere, but the guy talking about taking his Mexican dad to see Rogue One. Have yeah, you guys seen that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, folks good. it's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. A guy takes his dad to see Rogue One and like, he's so shocked that is that, that, um, Diego Lunas's accent is so thick. He's like, and his dad was just like totally shocked by that. And it was like, uh, and he was like, why is his accent so thick? He didn't fake it at all. And like, he was really quiet about it and was just like completely moved that a, a Mexican actor had been given such a, a strong role in such a huge franchise and stuff. So it feels really good to see how yeah. much they've leaned on that, like in this show mm-hmm. as well, like uh, that, that Diego gets to just be himself, which is amazing. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally for it. And let's talk about Diego. I mean, this is uh, Andor, he's a titular character. This is obviously, like he said, going to be a more ensemble show as we go. We have a lot of great characters coming in. Um, we've, we're all pretty pretty big fans of Cassian, but let's mm-hmm. just say now, Diego Luna's performance and also Cassian as a character. It's 10 like, out of 10. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Like, any, any notes by anyone? I thought he was just spectacular. No, he's flawless. He's flawless. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think, honestly, Cassian and Obi-Wan in the last couple of months are just like the only, maybe the only two like utterly flawless characters we've ever had in live action yeah. TV so far. And it's just, it's so good. It's so and good. also yeah. characters that are so embodied by the people who play them. Yeah. Like, like mm-hmm. not to, obviously multiple people played Obi-Wan Kenobi, multiple people played Han Solo, but the people that do really bring something to that character where you're like, no, no, no. It, this is partially who they are, just that person yeah. mm-hmm. outside of Star Wars. And that's certainly the case, maybe even more so for Cassian. Yeah, for sure. And we saw so many versions of him, too. Like, within these first three episodes, we see him uh, as the, like, sly guy. Like, he's smooth-talking that lady to get his to get his sister, but then he's also very protective of his sister. He's the fighter. He's, he's angry. Like, he literally yells, tell me what to do now, as, with a gun at their head. Then he's really <clears throat> sweet with Marva. He's a bit silly bro action with Brazo. He's really quite intimate with Bix. He's bro with Tip. Like, he's... We see almost every version of this guy's day, um, all to the point where Bix says, oh, jealous husband. It's like, oh, he's a playboy. All right, like, yeah, like yeah. Cast- we, we a lot. He's a, he's <laughs> like a complex a character, which yeah. is good because people are complex. And uh, we get to see a lot of different angles. And I don't know the I don't know what made it so good. If it's the if it's the dialogue, if it's the writing, if it's just all the pieces kind of falling together. But like there's something different about this storytelling that we're seeing play on our screen. It just seems more realistic. Like the, yes. I, yes. I think the one scene that really stands out to me that just didn't play out exactly like I was expecting was the scene between Cassian and Marva where like they're telling Cassian, basically the truth comes out to Marva, right? Like they're telling yeah. him that the, that the, you know, he's wanted basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And like there, there's a lot of yelling and he's trying to explain himself. The emotions are really high and then like he reads the like the droid reads like the the whatever to cassian and mm-hmm. he I, what is it he figures out that bix is involved oh yeah he says bix is looking and, for you yes and and marva and he's like what where did bix come from and he like yells at marva he's like no wait wait a minute because he's trying to get the yeah. truth that just didn't that's not how those scenes typically play out in tv no. like it's usually like usually like the characters don't communicate enough and it's really annoying as the, as the, like, as the 
the viewer to be like, no, just communicate better. And this conflict will yeah. resolve. Like, no, it played out like a real like argument or fight would play out. That's how humans would respond to that. Like they would be yeah. angry and be like, no, wait a damn minute. So we can figure out what the hell is going on. Cause this is more important than what you're asking me. Like, I don't know. That just struck me as, as seeming like a little different and heavier. And like the emotions were just portrayed very accurately. I felt like in that, that conflict. And uh, it feels like all the dialogue is like that in the show where the, where the, sh- the characters really just communicate what they need to communicate properly to each other and the audience at the same time. Yeah. So it's hard to get that dialogue right, I feel like, in, in live-action shows. Yeah, and you need the actors that can handle it. Like, with, with Fiona Shaw and Diego Luna um, going back and forth, so, like, that that's so efficient. And Fiona Shaw has actually written plays as well, and I think you can see that because she works with the language so well, knows exactly what words to hit. And, like, in Star Wars, I feel like we usually, with dialogue, get a very straightforward line. Like, there's like, there's so much going on that it's really, here's the conversation, we go, go, go. This yeah, was yeah. two simultaneous conversations, like you're saying, happening about two different plot points. But I didn't have trouble following because of the yeah. skill in which it was constructed. Um, right. And then it was a very complex, it was a complex scene. I mean, yeah. like, there was, a like you said, there were a lot of things happening in that conversation. Like, Marva is trying to get the truth out of... Cassian Marva is trying to explain to Cassian that he's wanted. They're trying to find out like who knows where he's actually from. Mm-hmm. He's talking to the droid to try to figure out how Bix is involved. Like that's a really complex scene. Yeah. Like I just cannot yeah. believe they got the dialogue and the writing so right. Like they just told like mm. four or five different storylines in like a three minute period. It was just utterly, utterly beautiful. And they left that big question open is why is it so important that people don't know about this world? What is the the big deal about this world and why, like how, like how many people have you told? And he's like, well, hell, I don't know. I haven't been keeping count. You know, he's like, exactly. It was just, oh God, oh, I don't know. There just seems to be a level of complexity with this that we've not really seen before. I mean, it feels like. It feels like Game of Thrones or Rings of Power or something that is got such heavy lore and dialogue that you're supposed to understand. Like it's like it's like we said at the beginning of this. It feels like this was really written for an adult audience. Yeah. Like, like I, I don't expect a kid to be able to understand the complexity of that fight, really. really but also you really you walk away with it like knowing exactly what you're supposed to know. So yeah, I don't know. But not to push this not to push this conversation on to the rest of the characters, but you mentioned like the complexity, you mentioned like all these different characters in different scenes and how their dialogue was very believable. I want to talk about how at the very end, it like showed each character who we kind of met along the way. And they each had like that moment. And I know that they've been pushing this show as like, no, it's an ensemble show. It's called Andor, but it's an ensemble. I'm sitting over here thinking, okay, that ensemble is like Cassian and Mon Mothma and Bail Organa. Yeah, me too. Because I didn't follow a bunch of behind the scenes stuff <clears throat> and I didn't watch mm-hmm, a bunch of preview stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I realized in that moment, like, oh, all these people I've been meeting along the way, they're actually main characters, probably yeah. f- at least yeah. for season yeah, one, right? For and sure. I was like, wow. And it changed the way that I viewed those characters a little bit in that moment. And it got me excited because it is, it's it's not necessarily gonna be big names. It's gonna be people we've never met before and like mm-hmm. common people, if you will. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and they're going to play a really big role. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And like, that's the story of revolution, right? It's like, it yeah, is common yeah. people witnessing injustice and rising up. And I think that's what uh, we talk about Cassie. And I do want to hit Marva here. I had Bix originally, but I think we're talking about Marva so organically. I want to, I want to hit on her a couple more times. Like 
Marva. I want to hit on Marva, man. <laughs> Absolutely. No, she she'd wreck me. Um, I I think what's so interesting about Marva is that the flashback is awesome with her, but the once Cassian has gone to meet Luthen, I I think Marva's story is really interesting. Because, you know, she sits in the chair a lot. She walks around with the cane. We, hey, who's Lu- who's as- Luthen? Hold on. Who is Luthen? Uh, <laughs> he's the, he's the, rebe- the rebel guy. Guard. Scar's rebel guard. guard. Okay, okay, okay. Who's the, yeah. who's the, the, who's the common mechanic guy? Do you guys know his name? That's Brasso. Oh, I thought that Tim. Brasso. His buddy or the, or the betrayer yeah, guy? Yeah, his, his buddy, buddy that works in the mine Brasso. or whatever, too. Oh, that's Not Brasso. the mine. That's Brasso. The, okay, Brasso. Brasso. Yeah. Okay. So, Marva at the end of that episode really hits me because once the corporal's come into her home right um for a couple reasons one she still tries to stop them two is still very much like i you should be ashamed i can't i'm not i'm not i'm not talking i'm not talking and then at the end her the way they treat her kind of sets the whole town ablaze to an extent which shows me that this whole Mm -hmm. town reveres this woman and i love that because that is so like whenever like governments or, or organizations start to encroach upon the elderly or show like the thing the town rises up and says listen we have all kept our mouths shut we put our heads down but you are messing with marva andor and that does something really specific that causes them to then start banging on the pots and start to like have everyone rise up and i really like that specific thing because it's showing that it wasn't just the empire fighting warriors or stealing plans they're going and hurting a beloved elder to an extent and now yeah. that is that warrens cassian and also right. allows the rest of everyone to rise up and i thought that was very key and makes her very important the town the town warning message was great almost like mm-hmm. um what they had in, in um spo- it's not really a spoiler but in kenobi um mm-hmm. where they had yeah. like a, a siren that went off whenever was it when the tuscans came settlers call yeah yeah call yeah yeah that was like, really cool some somebody said either in discord or i don't maybe it was in our chat earlier i can't remember it's all running together we've seen so many people right. communicating about this like I did, have you guys seen that thing about it being like a reference to like like latin america or something okay, like yeah, that There's, yeah yeah so i said that in the in the recap that? it's called uh it's called l uh I, I might i might not pronounce it right el casarolazo um and it's uh try out of the force um and a couple other folks mentioned that I'm on Twitter that I saw, and it is like Latin American countries with revolutions. Like it's based on hitting pots and pans is like a signal of rebellion and revolution. And like, there's no accident that Diego Luna and Adria are, are Latinx actors. Like they are from countries that like do this historically. And it is part of bringing in the real life backgrounds of the actors to make these characters. And it was also very like, startling and the way marva talks about it you know it's like oh you don't have to be worried about it but when, the, when it stops that's when you yes. need to be afraid and those guys when it stops and she's was, just dude, like, i was scared for them dude i was like i didn't know what was gonna happen like, like it was really dude, i get paid hourly i'm out of here there's no way <laughs> i know um yeah so that was beautiful uh, marva is marva as a character just in general has has been fantastic that. gia in our uh on our team said that she really appreciated how much like they've been bringing like older women into Star Wars yes! recently. Like yes! she's, Gia said, she's like she just turned fifty, or and uh, like it just I don't know. So much re- representation has been really really cool. We yeah. don't get a lot of elders, I guess, in Star Wars either. Like they yeah. we got a little bit of that from the way that the 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 OT characters were portrayed in the sequel trilogy, but like but because they were cool when they were younger, you know, it's not yeah. so much that they're just cool because they're old. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. 
But then, of course, the next one is is the complete opposite of that. Unfortunately, uh, I mean, Bix, guys, guys, um, my goodness, stop. stop. <laughs> That's all. Like, so one She's amazing a smoke show. Let's just she, leave okay, it yeah, at that. Like, oh my dear lord, <laughs> yeah, what a dude. what an amazingly beautiful person. Also, like her and her intro scene with Cassian, electric exciting mm-hmm. and if i was tim i would also be like she's gonna leave me any second i do not deserve this amazing <laughs> woman like i get the fear but like she was i again i similar to you charles i'd kind of known the behind the scenes but hadn't heard a ton so i didn't really quite know about how much she was going to be involved um i was i was blown away by her like yeah. she is contacting yeah. the rebellion she is working on stuff she's kind of keeping the city going she was the one that really started like making the signals go like she was she's really involved in intense and i so i, I do love we, her. do we think that you know kind of what to circle back around what you said earlier charles about all the characters kind of having their own moment like it's heavily implied right that pretty much all of these characters that we got to see are gonna end up in the rebellion is that kind of how it's looks like it's going you guys like we're gonna get I mean, all these characters are already perfectly set up I to think, like. Yeah, I think we're going to see all these people, yeah, pulled in in one way or another and serve mm-hmm. their role. And that, sadly, I think we might see a lot of these people die, and and it's just. I casting. agree. Yeah, I think that might fair. be true. I mean, that's I mean, fair. also Bix is, she's like in the rebellion at this point. She's just in a different cell. Yeah, but yeah, I think, like, is she going to go on Yavin like, like that kind of thing? Yeah. That's a good point. Good I guess I didn't really put that together because, the whole time that she's talking about contacting her guy, it's like. I figured he was a buyer of some kind, right? I didn't really realize that. I know, right? I didn't really realize that was the case until, uh, you know, until Luthen shows up, right? So, yeah, um, Yeah, in episode one, I was confused about even that the rebellion had even started. And if if Diego Luna and Andor was actually part of that, part of that cell yet, if he was actually a rebel, but he wasn't. So, like, putting those three episodes again, um out in front of everybody in the, as the mm-hmm. first premiere i think was very strategical and was very smart yeah he's he's older than i thought he was too by the way i don't know if yeah. that that like based on all the knowledge that we had going into the show of you know on uh you know the director's comments like at celebration and stuff like i really figured that you know we would get cassian in the rebellion earlier than this yeah right but this <laughs> is not that far before no rogue one how did he how did he go from having nothing to do with the rebellion to being head of intelligence in less than five years well luckily Corey, there's 21 episodes left (laughs) (laughs) so i think that's what's so fun about it and seeing like how these folks are kind of organizing their own rebellion like cassie and marva and bix are all definitely they live on ferrix they do their thing but they've all clearly been oppressed to certain levels by the empire the corporation <clears throat> and now are finally kind of uniting to, to rise up um but then of course we get the guy who's been pulled in to all of this the most loyal the most lovely the most uh speaks basic which threw me uh b2 emo uh <laughs> i this droid man what a lovely introduction to a character of him just like riding along and then the dogs pee on him and then he rows in he does and then he speaks to cassian and i what i love is that i think we got so many specific descriptors about him like in order to to lie he has to recharge because that takes him energy to build up lies i love um, that he's like oh that's like, two lies so i'm gonna have to recharge again <laughs> like, 
that's so fun and like he holds medicine um like his little band-aids like he's just such a great yeah short, it's I really mean, we get a lot of complex scenes between him and cassie and t talking about the writing and the stuff like a lot of those scenes felt sort of odd like it was kind of hard to Figure out exactly what they were trying to say, but like, oh God, Wes. <laughs> yeah, Wes just showed us the, the image of the dog peeing on the droid. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I mean, like like the way that the, the droid talks to Cassian and is like, where are you going? Like, I don't want you to go. Like, I don't know, man. It's it's setting up, you know, the K2 and Cassian relationship, right? He's always had a affinity for droids. So yeah. I love this. Why are droids so fascinating? I, I really know. like think about a single droid character that like you don't like. Yeah. I, I think I your pet could talk to you. You know, yeah. like yeah. yeah. And for <laughs> yeah. some reason the stutter makes him more endearing, just like yeah. uh just like uh Dio. Yeah. 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 I really like him. I also like the fact that um like Cassian and, and Marva, they only call him B because Cassian only calls K2SO K. Like he doesn't use the R2, oh, like he doesn't use yeah. the numbers. He just calls them by their first letter, which I think is honestly more familiar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Huge fan of that. All right. Now the dark part. Cyril and Sergeant Musk, sir. Um, so these guys. Love that guy. Hell these guys. guys. These guys are Cyril is the Cyril is the insecure white boy. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Yes, he is the uh, <laughs> teacher. There was homework last night. Uh, he's that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there, have, we, like, have we had a more hateable villain <laughs> in in live action so far? Not I'm a not more sure relatable hateable. That's because we all know this guy. We've this all met guy this guy. Is yeah. a twat. Like there's no way around it. I hate this guy like so much. Like he's very I don't know. by the book. I, he's very. He structured. is very by the book. I did have folds an, his underwear, Corey. That is correct. He <laughs> absolutely folds. His, that was hilarious that they made him. Uh, he's like, what's up with your uniform? Why does it look like that? He's like, it's. <laughs> Mildly tailored. Yeah, <laughs> like, what it's a piping, tool. and it's just, like, it's just so you know, good. I did, I did have an interesting thought. I wonder if there is. Do you guys think there is any chance that they're kind of setting him up for a rebellion arc, like of like maybe he's seen the error of his ways, or is is he going to lean harder? Like a callous into, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think we said yeah. that in the in the yeah. pre yeah. like the pre show we were doing a couple weeks ago. I thought yeah, it was okay. possible until I saw him at the end of the episode looking into the fire because I think what I saw, I saw a guy who is like, I have been embarrassed. I And, mm -hmm. and I think that from what we know, especially, you know, writers write in the times in which they are living, right? Like oh, a, a young white guy with a little bit of power that's just been embarrassed. That's a lot. Like that we all know this guy and they double down even harder. And I think that yeah. if he does have a rebellion arc, I mean, that that is very Star Wars, but as of right now, I think he has an enabler, which is a sergeant. I think that the, the sergeant is always about like, you know, do it, do it, kill them. I believe in you, sir. And he has that voice yeah. in his head, which is dangerous. And now he's got a reason to fight back because they have now embarrassed him, killed his men, and now it is a he has a almost a um like a zealous purpose. I think, and I think we're gonna see yeah. him get a little more extreme. Fantastic character. We talked about that briefly. Sergeant Mosk. Uh, super good. <laughs> yeah, Dude, what, what an intro scene. <laughs> his, yeah. his his uh, accent is so thick, man. It's so thick. It, it makes yes. the character even better. And yeah. how he ends everything with Sir. 
Like he's just, uh, I know. so I like so I liked him in, like after Cyril gives a stupid speech, he's like very inspiring, Sam. Yeah. Like, oh, that's he's the hilarious. first one to start so clapping. Awkward. Oh, it was. Word. And also, so you know, awkward. like when you when you really break it down, what they're doing, they know they're looking for one suspect, one guy. And they are bringing a dozen Whoa. armed men. I love that. I love, I love, how, like, they, I love how they blew, blew past that. I love how they blew right past that. They're like, he's like, it's just one guy. How many think we need? And he's like, 12 at least. At it's least. Just like, yeah. Okay. You know, this guy is the guy that he like, he's definitely just been sitting and watching like mall security cams for three years being like, oh, I just want to hit something. Like He's just like waiting yeah. for his moment. He's like, a mission. Excellent. I played a lot of Call of Duty when I was in eighth grade. I'm ready to go. <laughs> like, Everybody hates him. It's very obvious that all his, all his inferiors hate him. And yep. like, I don't know. Really, really good storytelling to build this guy up. Also, the actor is freaking killing it like i've never he is so believable the guy puts <laughs> yeah. so much emotion into his face yeah. it's really really incredible like yeah. anyway i hate this guy i hope he get, gets what's coming to him in the show <laughs> he, he better <laughs> he might i mean we're anyway, also gonna get more villains this is the so, jeffrey of uh of of this show joffrey. from game of thrones Joff joffrey oh sorry joffrey. joffrey from game of thrones hated I, that kid I, I do think, though, that this is because we've seen there's that uh, ISB officer that's going to be coming in. Um, the woman, I forgot her name, um, but they did a lot of press interviews together. So I'm wondering if now they're going to be like, OK, Red to Cop Corpo, you now have a rebellion on your hands. You now need to work with the Empire. And now maybe is he going to be like big fish and now uh, or little fish in big pond, like following along and being like well i'm in the empire now i i'm, I'm yeah. important and they're like shut up where'd cassie and go like i wonder if that's gonna yeah be yeah i think uh kind of i think we're gonna get a little bit this would be a perfect character arc to sort of like we've seen this before in books and stuff uh there was a there was a particular imperial villain that we all really hated in one of the books in the last couple of years i can't remember who it was in, in resistance reborn was it yeah. winston brat or something yes. like that yes. Oh, yes. winston Brad, oh, that yeah. is who I was. Wow, I can't believe you guys remember cool. that. Charles, 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 that was amazing. <laughs> uh, you guys suck. Hey, that, that is who this guy is. Like, he's I, I could see him being given a little bit more power, and he thinks he's important, and then yeah. he totally is taken advantage of. And yep. then the Empire doesn't give a shit about him and just kills him or something. Like, I, I could see that being his character arc. Um, I don't know. There, they could we could get a little bit of a uh, Agent Callus arc too though i could maybe see that that would be interesting as well like i don't know he's a complex villain i like seeing mm -hmm. complex villains that yes. are not so sure of themselves i mean we're so used to getting the i am the powerful everyone obey me like tarkin right we're used to getting that but we don't really get this middle manager insecurity mm -hmm. type of storytelling like usually so a lot of opportunity here i'm excited for this um to see what this what this goes to especially the way it ended with uh him just being completely dumbstruck with hmm. you know how bad he messed up right yeah. so he should he should have let it go he should have yeah. let it go agreed like so intense and then <clears throat> speaking of obviously morally gray we we end with uh luthan uh luthan rail uh stellan skarsgård coming in like a champ uh we we again we all watched the scene with him and cassian that was i thought it was gonna be way earlier in the series i'm very surprised they gave us an episode three scene but i i thought <clears throat> i mean he was exactly what that character has to be when they captured so Cyril and he's like shoot him cool. just shoot him right now i know just do it. Like, so cool. he's already, i couldn't, I couldn't oh, tell if God. he was playing good cop bad cop there or if he was just like that's actually how he feels like 
I loved him. Like he was giving all this, all this advice. He was very much like Beckett to me of yes! like, yeah. yeah. Like uh, he even has the damn trench coat for crying out loud. Right. <laughs> like, like it's just, he's just such a badass. Yeah. Just like, you know, never carry a comm device. Like, you know, he's giving all these little tips and yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I but he's also it. nice to that guy in the, yeah. Cohen Lee. He's also nice to that guy on the bus. Like yeah, he is who was yeah, also yeah. He was a nice little character. Again, a nice little totally real guy. He's like, uh, we're stuck in traffic. What do you do? You know? <laughs> like, yeah. I love that mean- too, because it was like uh, that, that first, that first kind of that scene with that weird guy with the little top hat too. Yeah. It's just that scene with him. I was just like, why is this, why is this here? Like yeah, they use <laughs> a lot of time on that. And I think it's highlighting it's sort of highlighting how the empire slowly took over and how it was yeah. sort of perceived by the general public it's just all right can you believe this now we're having to pay these damn parking fines like yep. you know and <laughs> like it's, it starts with that and then it gets just slowly slowly more and more oppressive mm-hmm. that was cool that was neat yeah. to mm-hmm. sort of like show the it made you understand what the empire's role is on this planet like they're not totally yeah. there yet you know what i mean it's not like yeah. it's not like corellia where the empire is pretty much yeah. in charge right or it's not like you know, the 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 planets that we've seen in Mandalorian where the Empire is very strong presence, right? Like oh, they're just an not irritant. Yes, exactly. Which is very interesting to give us all that context. Yeah, because like when they, when they land for the big assault, all the workers are like, What the hell are they doing? Like they don't come here. And I think yeah. like and Luther, I think gets that vibe, like, okay, there's these are still <clears> good people. I don't necessarily have to watch my back too much. But I also but I also love with Luthan that he's like, okay, this this place is going to rise up and Cassian is from here. I don't know how much he knew about Cassian beforehand. Obviously he knew a lot about his past and things, but now that we found out how much that piece was worth, I think this is, this is my big moment for Luther of realizing who he is, how much he's dedicated to the cause. And so I would say like, we know that piece was worth 40,000 credits. And he was like, yeah. Dude, if I, if you come with me, just leave it. Who cares? Like the fact that Cassian is worth that to the rebellion as a as a wild card, I'm like, dang, you are like Luthen is all in on Cassian as a character. And I think that made me realize that either he's a great judge of character overall or he's really desperate. I think both <clears> those are really interesting. Yeah, it was towards the end of that ep- of episode three that we finally figured out what that device was and how we got it. And just, it took mm-hmm. that long for us to figure out, you know, what the device was, who he was selling it to, and then why it's so important. And then be- just having that whole thing build up mm-hmm. to they don't even sell it. It just gets I know ruined in it that whole thing. Amazing. <laughs> so have you guys, great have you guys speaking of this, I'm glad you brought this up. I hate to be the guy that brings this up. Do you know about the the easter egg of this device you guys oh i this? do Corey. but please tell us about it oh i know God. where it's the, from the only uh star wars explain alex damon i'm not sure if he knew this off the top of his hand off the top of his head or if he figured this out like but he has a youtube short that explains what this thing is and uh the only reference to a star path in star wars is from the errant venture, which is the star destroyer that Booster Tarek uh, converted into like a pleasure barge. Booster Tarek is the father of Mirax, who is the wife of uh, none other than our favorite Corrin Horn from I Jedi. So, like, yep. this you is know, we recently mentioned in I Jedi. <laughs> it's it's mentioned in I Jedi as being like the navigational system for that star destroyer, and so in the last couple, <laughs> we've gotten references to freaking. Uh, his father, 
what's his name? Halcyon or grandfather, whatever. Oh, Corin's, uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. We got a reference to that. We got reference to Corin. We got references to the air adventure. And now we have reference to the damn, like, <laughs> navigational system for the air adventure. Mm. Oh, why are we going to get Cornhorn in live action? Please, God, no. <laughs> uh, but. Oh, what a incredible. pool! <laughs> what a freaking pool, man! Like uh, yeah. to use this device. I wonder what made them decide to do that. That is very, very interesting. You never know. I, 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 I was was thinking, it destroyed, it, by the way? In the in the it, scene? yeah, I'm they didn't sure they it, didn't go back for it. They didn't go I mean, back for it. I know they don't have it, but I don't know yeah, if it's we, we explicitly it shown that it gets broken. So yeah. Oh but man, it's such a cool moment. And then of course, obviously, they get out, and he and he you know takes him away, and that that mirror of you know Marva taking him away from one destructive place to now Luthen taking him away to another place. Um, I think it was a perfect framing device and a perfect way to end it because it is literally like, okay, now we got all the info about the ensemble we need. We know exactly where Cassian is. And now next week, we're basically starting a new show. Almost. Like now, like yeah. now we're going to go meet the rebellion leaders. And um, I want to go over some of our favorite moments here in a second, but I, I do want to tease that I believe uh, Tony Gilroy said in an, in an interview a while back. He's like, after episode four, there's going to be people tweeting about how much they love Mon Mothma. So I assumed we were getting her next episode, but it's going to be, it should be pretty big, which is very exciting. Um, so I guess now I want to ask you guys, before we get into some of our favorite moments, uh, any any kind of questionable moments we want to discuss or kind of, I know he said like, oh, we want to get into something like, what are some things that we really want to kind of digest a little <clears> further that we haven't touched on uh, before we just kind of rattle off what stuff we loved? Maybe this um, show, Charles. Want to talk about Tim? I yeah. <laughs> I mean, should, I, should, I, I know talk about Tim. from a plot standpoint and, a, and a, maybe even a character development standpoint, it, I get why they did this, but I did think that Tim. Tell was the audio very, listeners what we're doing here. Okay, we're looking at the scene where there is a blaster bolt, a searing blaster bolt, headed straight for Tim's wide open chest as he charges, <laughs> as he charges the rescue Bix. Now, this was right after he upset Bix by turning in Cassian, and of course that was a bad thing to do. Uh, and he was trying to redeem himself. I'm, I'm sure, or maybe it was just showing that you know, hey, this is actually a good dude. And he made a mistake. All those things probably apply, but man, that that seemed dumb to just run. I mean, he literally had his arms behind him as he was he was like running chest out at them with a bunch of, of guns and stuff. And I was just like, we're, don't we're do actively that. telling him that they're gonna shoot him if if he does. I was like, don't don't do that, man. And then he got shot, and I was like, well, I to be honest with you, I, I felt the worst for uh, Tim on our team, Tim Guthrie. Uh, <laughs> He's I remember, got that name. For some reason, I remember vividly when we found out there's a character named Tim and he put something in Slack and he was like, yeah, like for all the Tims or something like that. And then Tim, no, no, he's Tim a, is shitted. He's so. just kind of a shitty character and he immediately gets killed. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I know. Is there uh, is there any wait, there was an interesting a little bit of a discussion in our uh, in our team about whether or not Tim's actions were justified, which is yeah. a little bit controversial, I feel like. So mm. that's fun to discuss. Maybe we should briefly yeah. touch on that because we were certainly meant to understand as the viewer that Tim's shitty, right? He drinks mm -hmm. too much. He makes dumb decisions. Right? He's mm -hmm. jealous, right? Is there any redeemable quality well, to let, his let's, let's look at what he did. I, I think this is a tricky, this is a tricky conversation. Mm -hmm. But if you, you, can, you can use the whole certain point of view thing, he turned in a guy for murder, double double murder, 
I mean, it, that in and of itself is is not the wrong mm-hmm. thing to do. Like right. he did murder people. They weren't good people, but you can't mm-hmm. just murder people. Well, also, did yeah. they say in connection with two murders on the on the news bulletin, or they just yeah, said a canary man? No, no, they said oh, in know that. two murders. I'm pretty sure that was reference. Yeah, sure. yeah, that's a good point. And uh, you know, his 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 quote unquote girlfriend. I guess we don't really know their <laughs> relationship status. Neither does Tim, uh, frankly. They, they didn't yeah, yeah, exactly. We won't have to worry Tim. about it ever again. Right. Oh God. <laughs> Tim doesn't. Uh, Tim, as far as he can tell, is his girlfriend is being kind of sketchy and is really worried and he she has this friend that is wanted for murder and like maybe he feels like he's trying to protect her or something maybe mm-hmm. i mean we're meant to sort of understand that it looks like jealousy right yeah. i think that's but what like, i yeah. yeah but maybe so like, it's, maybe it's not pure jealousy maybe the maybe his motives are somewhat pure i don't know I, no I, jealousy the, yeah i think from the reading that we get if tim had it all talked to her about like is cassian in trouble maybe you shouldn't be around that guy the only time he ever thinks about call because he doesn't even go call the cops when he sees the bulletin. He doesn't. He waits until he's drinking at the bar, waits until he sees them talking a little close. Yeah. And that is the only time when he's like, you know what? If I call the cops, they'll come get rid of this guy and then I'll get to be with my yeah. girlfriend. Yeah, and then I he immediately the sleeps with her. All right. That's, yeah. that's pretty hard yeah. to because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly, Ferrix gives the vibe of like everyone on this planet is like, keep your head down. We all stick together. No one talks to the cops. They don't bug us. Like, there's that understanding and when they start to go after marva and like the their own people that's when things go off and i feel like with tim he's been on that side of like i don't talk to the cor- to the corpos i don't do anything until he sees cassian talking to his girlfriend also by the way just having a conversation uh that he's like nah i gotta do it but i will say on the flip side i do think that tim doesn't fully redeem himself but i do think that he has a good uh a moment of like charging at those uh as the cops at the end um because i think that on the outside we're like dude there's there's guns they're pointing at you what are you doing he is also seeing like the woman that he does love or at least really like like is sitting handcuffed to a wall with blood on the side of her head and i'd like to think that any of us if you walked in on like your your wife or your girlfriend or your partner of any kind was bleeding because someone was beating on her not a lot of logic. They'd probably be like, I'm going to stop. What the hell? Stop it. Oh, like sure. running sure. at them. I think that he's just going on instinct there to, yeah. to actually but, protect. But we all know that you're not truly goes. redeemed in Star Wars unless you die. That's very true. <laughs> right, That's very so. true. That's right. I also appreciate that. Uh, the way that scene kind of played out, right. Of like mm-hmm. uh, that, that other cop, I guess he was like the kind of the superior or whatever, immediately took that guy's rifle and was mm-hmm. like, you're you're done. You're yeah, done. That ship. was that was a bad freaking call. Like yeah, yeah. We're, like, we're not was... gonna tell anyone about it, but that was still bad. <laughs> like, exactly, you know? exactly. Like you know, blue protects blue, but also, what the hell is wrong with you? You just killed yeah. that guy. Like, but then that guy was redeemed because he then died. <laughs> Based on yeah, Charles's he, logic, right? <laughs> yeah. Was, also, uh, yeah. Also, very. Why the thing was so funny to me for some yeah, reason. Like, it was. He just I know. Kept... Like he just kept putting more into the throttle. Like, dude, panic. Set the thing back down. Like, <laughs> I know. Not no, panic. Out. Also, uh, also that guy. Like, what's his name again? The mechanic dude. What's Brasso. his name? Brasso. Brasso. Like, I don't know. That kind of took me aback a little bit. That he just immediately was like, "I'm gonna sabotage their ship." I guess yeah. the, yep. I guess the the pots banging or whatever is like. 
I guess that means, oh, you know, on. yeah. I guess hey, everyone, these are bad guys. These are yep. bad guys. Everybody stick together, right? Like, together. Star Wars equivalent yeah. of Brasso put a boot on that dude's car and he tried to drive it out of there. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then so that kind of leads me into like just kind of some some favorite moments. That whole I think end of episode three for me from almost. I would say after the the speeder chase, I guess, just kind of like those final moments of seeing the characters, kind of like the ashes of the moment, kind of sitting there, and then the mirrored scene, and just kind of launching us into the next week, I think was one of the strongest endings of any episode we've gotten of anything. I thought yeah. it was just the music yeah. swelling, <laughs> the silent moments with the characters kind of really feeling, allowing ourselves yeah. to feel the weight of what happened. Like, we see, like, Bix get her shackles off, but she's like, still hurt and she tries to get to Tim, but they're like, no, we got to go. You don't have time to mourn. We got to go. Yeah. And like just that it ends on this, like such a downer moment, but it's so intense. Like, <clears throat> Oh, it just breaks your heart. So that was probably one of my yeah. most impressive moments. I mean, this it definitely, I don't know, like kind of coming back around to like, people were kind of complaining about how slow the first episodes were and that sort of thing. Like, I think it made this, it made this final climax in episode three feel like massive. Like it made it feel like yes. you know, like a mid season finale or something, you know, like, yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it just had a lot of weights, like the way that the end of this ship is so badass. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I want that Lego. I want Sorry. <laughs> Wes just showed us a picture of Luthen's ship at the end, which the way the, like the freaking wings like fold up, that was the, most badass thing I've ever seen. I want that. when he it's whistles so cool. at it. Yeah, yeah he whistles to his ship to start. start. I've never oh, seen God. that. God, it was so badass. I'm, I'm sorry, I totally lost my train of thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the the weight of episode three felt massive. It felt like the end of like season one of Mandalorian, like truly. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really excited for the way the show is going to progress. Um, you know, I feel like there's just so much to go for. Are there any? I guess is there anything you didn't like about the the show? We haven't we 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 try to stay positive, but there were a couple a couple tiny things that pulled me out. There was a CGI shot of a ship in the very beginning. I think it was when Cassian took off from that planet where he killed those two guys. Mm -hmm. It looked really bad, and I don't know. I, I feel like my biggest complaints about CGI lately have been uh, ships taking off <laughs> for some reason. Hard to, I thought, hard to I do. Thought I guess them on the speeder looked a little. A little off. Them and the speeder might have been the most okay. thing if I'm if I'm stretching, but it's but to the point of did it take me out? I didn't have a single moment on that. But if it's like yeah. nothing took me out personally, yeah, I thought that this one took was... that one took me out. The very beginning, I I audibly said, "All right, that CGI was bad," and then I got back in. But you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah. seems like uh, for some reason they're having trouble with ships with the shows. I guess they must just be really really challenging to produce. Is this the are we gonna see the yeah. ship take off? He's got to run. I also yeah. look at that. Look at that. This I think that weird. looks fine to be I think honest. That looks fine to me. Uh, it looks weird. It looks weird. Whatever. Anyway, it looks like a. <laughs> wrong. It looks also, weird. that kind of looks like a. Um, it looks like a, a K wing with a with a, a Y wing engines, doesn't it? Looks like yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. but but the 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 cockpit looks like a. Is it called? Is it called a K wing? I'm pretty sure it's like a Legends ship or something like that. But anyway, I believe it. Yeah, pick me out. Anything else kind of bother you guys about the show at all? Honestly, no. No, yeah, I love it. <laughs> no, <Me> either. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Like I, was, so I was just good. the only thing that bothered me. I, no, it, this took me out as I was watching the second episode. I was like, "Are all other shows bad?" Is that like I, 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 I literally had a moment where I'm like, "I don't, I don't think so." But it made me re start to rethink all the other shows because I'm like, "This is 
the quality was just so high of like the acting, the writing, the filmmaking of what we've been talking about. I'm just like, oh my god! Like, I'm I'm I got yeah. outside of myself worried for the future of Star Wars <laughs> television in like a right. good way because I'm like, oh my bar has yeah. now risen, which I think is what you always want to do. So that's yeah. about what I had. Yeah, I think I it's kind of like. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Wes. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was gonna say it's kind of like rating the TV shows is kind of like the way we review books a little bit. Like, there's different levels of like quality, and it seems like there's not. I mean. I guess it makes sense, but there are a few shows in television history that you can feel like kind of reach that masterpiece level quality. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and some of the famous shows like Game of Thrones is up yep. there. As Breaking Bad. Budget. Breaking like, Bad. Like, yeah. I think Kenobi is very, very close to that. Mm-hmm. Like, but this is just, I mean. This is there right now for me. You're right. I mean, it makes, it does make Mandalorian and you know, book of Boba Fett and things like that sort of feel like they're in this weird lesser tier a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Which I didn't Which is, see before. Yeah. Me either. Yeah. Me either. I mean, we are looking at looking at all these shows through rose colored glasses because mm-hmm, we're so sure. happy just to have live action star Wars. But like, yeah. I don't know, Recency man. This, bias is real too. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. But, but man, this first three episodes were hella good. Hella good. Well, have you seen, what is the criticism online, man? I haven't seen anything negative. Oh, it's been really good. The only stuff I've seen um, has been like there's not enough like Easter eggs like Mando stuff. Oh, yeah. Which is like, yeah, I heard that. I saw that. I actually up. looked that up, looked that up <laughs> last night. Uh, I Googled like and or Easter eggs and like I couldn't find a list that had more than like six on them. There's yeah. not very many Easter eggs yeah. at all, which is yeah. it's just maybe a good, a show. good Maybe a Could good be a thing, good thing. Actually. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like just say, a, it makes an entry point. Just to highlight what uh, what Obi-Wan had said in the chat. Did you guys notice the stair droid that came by to look up against that bus? I loved the stair droid. Did you see the I stair droid? Oh, he yeah, yeah. I noticed this. <laughs> I noticed Amazing. This. Uh, sorry to always bring it back to Futurama because I just love that show. And they also have lots of different robots and stuff in that show. There is a there's a droid that comes out like we're at a baseball game and, and Bender <laughs> is complaining about how all the droids are basically slaves in Futurama. And a, a droid comes out because he smashes a beer bottle in anger. He's like, oh, the droids are all slaves. Smashes a beer bottle, and this little hatch open, and a droid comes out, and he sweeps with the beer bottle and goes back in the hole. And that's what this guy is. Like, this is his, this one is job. one job. He's like, yeah. oh, I, what I is my say, purpose? Yeah. <laughs> You're stairs, bro. You're just stairs. Stairs. Yeah, I have seen people say online uh, um, that uh, if it's boring and slow, but I think that like we get said out earlier, of here. slow. Yeah, slow is not get a slow, here. but not boring. Because I would a say little, a little slow, but not boring. This this is not a show where I would say like make, second screen it, like have your phone out and scrolling while you're watching. Like then yeah, watch watch a TV show. Like put your phone down, turn the lights off, get a slightly bigger TV than an iPad, and just like have a good time. So. <laughs> Uh, but next week we do get Mon Mothma. Dude, I'm the TV I'm watching it. I'm sorry, the TV I'm watching this on is, is so bad. The volume is like a hundred scale. Like you can go all the way up to a hundred, yeah. but if you go over than fifty-five, all the plastic vibrates with the sound. Oh my so anytime there's God. any bass, it's like it's like <laughs> like into the freaking. It's awful, dude. dude oh, I literally I wore my wireless <laughs> headphones that I use for gaming to watch it. Like I put my headphones oh my on God. my ears and just watched it. So. I would probably have a better experience if I did watch it on my iPad mini that I have sitting here. (laughs) (laughs) We got to get that for you next time. Uh, Uh, All right. So we're right. Gosh. Oh, God. We go on these things for forever. But uh, any final thoughts before uh, we get on out of here? I mean, next week, it's kind of a whole new show. Almost like we've we've actually seen so much in the trailers that wasn't shown, which is the opposite of Star Wars television. Right. We usually just see the first Mm -hmm. episode. All the Coruscant stuff, all the Mon Mothma stuff. That's all still coming. 
So yeah, we have a lot I'm to stoked. go. I appreciate that we're going into this knowing there's going to be more than one season too, because like yes. that allows you to, I don't know, like with, with Obi-Wan, you know, we were constantly like, how are they going to conclude this? There's so many loose ends. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're going in the last episode with all these loose ends, right? With this, it's a little easier to kind of just sit back and relax. Like this is season one. I maybe we'll be feeling like that when season two rolls around, but like, I don't know. It feels nice to be able to just sit oh, back and yeah. kind of enjoy the ride. It doesn't yeah. all have to conclude, you know? Yeah. Brandon, the Senate, we're going to get the to see the Senate, Senate. what oh, they do. God. Forgot That's about that. Point. I forgot that about that. So yeah. Great. This scale, yeah. this scale of this show is going to feel different. Like right now it feels similar to other Star Wars shows. I'll say like we're on one planet. Things are not really moving very quickly. Like, but like, uh, yeah, I guess we are going to get the galactic conflict a little bit more in this. It's going to be rad. Yep. We're gonna see Revolution, baby. I'm I'm gonna watch it again today. It's gonna be great. Oh, the Hammer Guy. We didn't talk about the oh, Hammer yeah. Guy. <laughs> MVP. <laughs> Amazing. I love that guy. Really good. And there was a moment where the 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 ringing of his hammers fed into the score of the scene. Yeah. And I'm like Nicholas Patel. Also, if you guys are skipping the intros, uh, listeners, on these, don't because the theme song for every episode is slightly different based mm. on the context of uh of the episode nicholas patel composed mm. 12 individual intro themes so always wow. listen because it'll give you something yeah. new um oh my god there's gonna be some folks on our team i know they're gonna be getting the vinyl of this one that's for sure yeah oh all right this i love this show i love talking about it. i can't wait to do it again um next weekend we will see you guys then but for now that will do it For this week's episode of Bounty Hunt, keep your eyes out for our next hunt when we'll be diving into episode four of Andor. Again, only one episode next week. A special thank you to Brian Dooley, Patrick Ortiz, Earl Q, Robert Thomas, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and James T, Elizabeth Cloutier, Ashley Ingalls, and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. Go ahead and tell us all your thoughts about Andor and our Discord community at utn.com slash discord and follow our main show on Twitter at LivingForcePod and all of us for all things Star Wars. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at Corey M. Helton. Charles is at T. Henkel. And Wes is at Boss Wes. Until next time, this is what Reckoning sounds like, baby. You've been listening to the Bounty Hunt Podcast. Yeah? Good. To learn more about other Utini Patreon exclusives, visit utini.com.